When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Well, what first comes to mind is you're under center a little more often than maybe you would be in other systems. You know, there's a lot of timing and rhythm, which I would say is true of, you know, anywhere you go, quarterback coaches are going to preach timing and rhythm. I, I would say that with this system, with Gary and Clint and Kevin, that you know, it's it's heavily emphasized, and uh, they're not going to let you get away with not playing in timing and rhythm. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I think Gary having been a quarterback in this league, knowing how difficult it is, knowing what you need to be successful, I think that there's an awareness there of all that has to take place for a passing game and an offense to come together and be productive, and I think that that awareness, uh, you know, makes a difference. Myron Metcalf in here today, uh, filling in. For Collar, who I think is on vacation somewhere, but he was still like a staycation. He was still DMing me. It's like, dude, take a real vacation, man. <laughs> Stop talking to people. Still writing stuff for the website, dude. D- take still a real vacation. Film, probably take a real vacation. I'm here with Manny Hill. Uh, about sixty percent of black talent in radio in this city <laughs> is here together. Yes, we are here to yep. take over. Let's start with Kaepernick. Why don't we do it? No, we won't do that. We'll, uh, <laughs> We'll start with other news. Just a little humor for you on a Friday. Don't worry. Don't get six, too uptight. Five, one, six, four, six. No, I'm kidding. Don't get too uptight about it. <laughs> Relax. It's Friday. The weekend's here. But uh, a lot is happening, obviously, in the world of sports. Uh, Minnesota Vikings have anointed Gary Kubiak as the new offensive coordinator, which means he's going to bring the whole family because Clint's already there, and I think yeah. some of his cousins and nephews are already in the mix, too. He's, that dude... There are a lot of Kubiaks out there, you know? Kubiak family reunion on the Vikings staff. I'm telling you, man. man. And I understand the word that everybody's using, man, is continuity. Can I spell that word? C-O-N-T-I-N-U. Is it I-T? I-T? Is there an extra? I don't know. There's not an extra N in there, is it? Continuity. Yeah, see, it's continuity. It's not continuity, right? I don't know. Hey, somebody out there, if you're listening, you know how to spell it. Uh, Tweet us with the proper spelling of that oh, word. We'll get some tweets. But yeah. everybody's talking about it, right? Like, this is the thing that is the staple of this transition to Kubiak after losing your offensive coordinator again. C-O-N-T-I-N-U-I-T-Y. Okay, cool. I thought I was close. I think I threw an extra N in there. But you lose Stefanski to the Cleveland Browns. Now you're bringing a guy who's been in the system whose principles have really governed this you know, outside zone run scheme that's yep. made the Vikings one of the more potent offensive teams in the league. What they were able to do as a running team, open up so much for the play-action passes downfield. 
where Kirk Cousins was very successful, as successful as anybody in the NFL. So you feel comfortable, Mandy, having a dude like this in this position. Here's my take on why this matters. I don't think it matters as much for Kirk Cousins because clearly they've been good you know, with other coordinators. I expect them to still be one of the better offenses in the league. Uh, I don't know if it's as great for the offense. I mean, they get another guy they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team itself gets a familiar face. What I'm saying is I think the Vikings will have a good offense, uh, and I think they would have had a good offense even if there were another coordinator in there because they've got the personnel where you can't really be terrible. Right when you right. have Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, uh, Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook, two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, you can't yeah. be terrible. I mean, you can have rough times, and clearly in big games they didn't put it all together the way that they should have. But you're not going to be terrible. It matters, in my opinion, for the franchise because this is what it means to elevate Gary Kubiak to the position of offensive coordinator. It makes it very easy to move on from Mike Zimmer. It makes it very easy if 2020 is a disaster of a season. If you get to week eight and this team is three and five for some reason, it makes it very easy to say Gary Kubiak is our interim head coach and now he has a chance to be the permanent head coach. If 2020 collectively is a disaster and you get to the playoffs and you're one and done and you're not competitive and it's clear that you're not a Super Bowl contender and you're many, many pieces away from that, it also makes it very easy to say, Mike Zimmer, it's been real. We're going to give Kubiak a chance rather than go on some exhaustive search for a new coach. So more than anything, this move for me, Manny, Manny means, yes, continuity. I get it. But it also means that if this thing is a disaster in 2020, it's very easy to fire Mike Zimmer and move on to Gary Kubiak. I think on the interim basis, for sure, my only question with Gary Kubiak is, does he want to be a long-term head coach again? And I'm not... Sure, I mean I don't I don't what know Gary Kubiak. Be? I don't well, that's that's the question because he left, remember, he left the Denver Broncos a year removed from winning the Super Bowl with a broken down Peyton Manning and that great defensive performance by Wade Phillips and Von Miller and those guys. He left after that next season largely because of health reasons. Yeah. And so I wonder if if that is something that he wants to explore again, being a head coach, because when you're when you're an offensive advisor, when you're an offensive coordinator, you're only worrying about one specific portion of the football team. But when you're the head coach, and this has kind of been a criticism of Mike Zimmer because he's a defensive guy, and sometimes the thought the, or, or the the question is, does he care enough, or does he want to pay a enough attention to the offense yeah. to really have more of a hands-on approach with it. And at least from the outside looking in, Mike Zimmer's never really struck me as that guy. I, I just wonder if, in the case of Gary Kubiak, if being a head coach beyond 2020, if you have to part ways with Mike Zimmer, is something that Gary Kubiak would want to do. I, I could see him wanting to do it on an interim basis. Yeah, because if if they if they start out three and five, like you said, or two and six or something like that, and things are just falling off the rails and they've checked out on Mike Zimmer and if Rick Spielman and and the Wilfs want to want to pull the trigger on a change, Gary Kubiak is the logical interim. Yeah, it's it's the easy. Obviously, he's been a head coach. He's won a Super Bowl as a head coach. He's got the experience to be able to step in and at least not have things completely fall off the rails for the rest of that season. 
But I just wonder if beyond 2020, if that's something that Gary Kubiak would want to continue to do. Well, well, that's why I think moving on to offensive corner, it means a lot because I'm sure he could have told Mike Zimmer, listen, I like what I'm doing now. I like being an advisor. I like being in the background. Taking on a role as offensive coordinator, to me, suggests he's certainly ready to take on a a serious coaching role. I mean, offensive coordinators are getting hired in this league. I mean, Gary Kubiak, to me, is positioning himself to be a leader again in the NFL, because I don't think you become offensive coordinator knowing that you're Mike Zimmer's guy, knowing that you're going into a really what feels like a make or break season and not realize that you could be in that position. I think Gary Kubiak could have easily said, I like what I'm doing. It's not the same stress level. I'm kind of in the background. And guess what? I want to keep doing it if that's okay. I don't think Mike Zimmer would have said offensive coordinator or nothing else. So that's why I feel like health wise, uh, how he's feeling overall about being back in football. This feels to me like a move that you don't make simply because Mike Zimmer says, hey, we're looking for a coordinator. If you're Gary Kubiak, you've been in this game for a long, long time. You're making what might be a difficult decision, but it's something you're thinking of before you accept it, Mandy, which is why I feel like he knows, especially being a veteran, kind of how this thing could shake out. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows if this if there are struggles, and I'm talking about Struggles where you look early on in the season and go, something's not right. This team isn't getting better. I don't think Mike Zimmer's guaranteed 16 games. I don't think in 2020 he's guaranteed 16 at all. I think if you go into next season and it's clear that this team is either taking a step back or it's showing some of the same weaknesses that put it in this wild card position in 2019, he's vulnerable. And that's where a Kubiak can come in. And that to me is your real continuity. If you need a new coach, whether it's on an interim basis or or perhaps next summer you're looking for a new guy because Mike mm-hmm. Zimmer doesn't have the job anymore. Yeah. Kubiak is right there. Yeah, he would certainly at least be an option, I think. Let me ask you this, though. Yeah. What is the ceiling of the 2020? That's a franchise? great question. I, don't, I mean, I'm trying because to figure it out. I'm, I'm struggling with this because obviously they have needs. There, there's, there's a lot of really good football players on this team. Yeah. And they have two of the best wide receivers in the league. I think Brian O'Neill is an is a young up and coming offensive lineman. He had a really nice year at right tackle for them. I think he's a piece that could potentially be a long term solution, whether it's staying at the right tackle spot or if they decide to transition over to the left side. It could be a difficult transition, but he at least seems like he has the talent to be able to do that. You might have to. Yeah, you might have to if you're not able to get one in the draft or in free agency. And there are some pieces on defense that you look at and say, okay, this guy, I can see this guy here for the long haul. Daniil Hunter being one of those guys. Definitely. Um, But what is the ceiling of the 2020 Minnesota Vikings? Because, Myron, there are a lot of flaws on this team. And there's so much talk about Kirk Cousins and should he get an extension or not? Or, well, they just need to get this and that and, and then Kirk will be fine. And I just don't, I don't, I don't see there being enough resources for enough improvement to get this team over the hump in 2020. I'm not sure if I can see, I don't know if there's enough, there's going to be enough cap space, you know, when they, if and when they decide to part ways with certain guys that will give them a lot of cap relief. I'm not sure there's going to be enough cap space. Yeah, to fix all of the flaws and all the warts that are on this roster quick enough to get this team over the hump in 2020. 
Oh, no, you are who you are right now as the Minnesota yeah. Vikings, which I think Mike Zimmer, that's why he's facing so much pressure. Uh, nobody's coming through the curtain. They're not playing music, you know, like this is the Royal Rumble or something like that, <laughs> and there's going to be a 29th guy. You have who you have. Yeah. Like, nobody's coming to save the day. And, and I think that's why there's pressure building on a Mike Zimmer. Their ceiling is, could they be as good as the Packers were this year and get one of those home uh, home field advantage, at least for a game? Sure. The Packers weren't that good. Like, the Packers beat the Vikings. That's what they did. Mm -hmm. But I look at that San Francisco 49ers team, and I'm like, yeah, they're going to keep getting better, and they got a great coach, and they got a lot of young beasts. They might be here to stay for a long time. I look at the Seahawks, and I go, Russell Wilson did this with dudes they pulled off the street legitimately uh, at running back in recent weeks. Yeah. He's going to get better. Guys are going to get healthier, although they probably lose to Davian Clowney. I look at the Saints and go, Minnesota went there and won. And and Drew Brees, who is he going to be next year if he comes back? Mm-hmm. Is he going to regress? Because that's going to happen. And it happened to some degree this year as well. So that's a mystery as well. But I think they can be one of the better teams in the NFC. I just don't know that you get over the hump if the hump is the San Francisco 49ers right. and being sort of the king of the NFC. So that's where you have to start. What's a real expectation? Is it getting to the NFC Championship game and hoping things go well against a team like San Francisco that you improve upon what you did last year, this year, which was nothing against mm-hmm. them? You yep. could have stayed home. You could have called the Uber at <laughs> halftime, right? You could have stayed in the locker room. But I also think the 49ers are that good, a 49ers team that could win the Super Bowl. So you have to start there, Manny. The bigger question to me is, what's the basement for this team? What's the floor? How bad can this thing get? Because I will not forget 2018. And I will not forget that this is a team that is always going to be capable of playing 500 football. Mm -hmm. Those plays they didn't make against Chase Daniel and the Bears, the plays they didn't make against Matt Moore and the Chiefs, the plays that they made against Dallas that you don't know if they're going to make that continuously, being down 20-0 to the Denver Broncos, those are all situations that the Vikings will always find themselves in, and they can go against them. So the basement, to me, is out of the playoffs. The ceiling feels like NFC Championship, potentially, Uh, And then who knows what happens there. And I still think that has to be the expectation because you, this is not a rebuilding team. Like this is not a team that had to go out and find a bunch of pieces in order to put together a franchise that might contend. This team was already contending. So we can't talk about this like it's 2016. No, you were supposed to build on what happened in 2017. And now here we are going great game against the saints. Although that felt like, a one-off, like an anomaly. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like you could do that you know, multiple times, and I think that's the issue, right, Manny? You go and you beat the Saints, great. But we haven't seen this team do that consistently. So that, to yeah. me, would be the hope going into next year. Can you play like that two, three, four games in a row and put yourself in a position where you're resting in the wild-card round and you're getting the benefit that yeah. Green Bay got when they were at home that week and resting, and yeah. then they go play the Seahawks and win? Are you good enough to put yourself in that position? That should be the minimal expectation. Super Bowl, again, San Fran looks really good. Mm -hmm. There are going to be a lot of hurdles to get into the Super Bowl. But being there and being a game away, that has to be the expectation going into next year. Well, and I think a lot of it, too, has to go into so much of this does depend on what you do in the regular season. and That's where it all is. Collar's brought this up several times over the last couple of weeks since the Vikings were bounced out, is that... The Vikings in 2019 sort of just made their bed. 
They, kick, they kicked away a lot of games that they mm-hmm. should have won. Kansas City on the road against Matt Moore. Matt Moore. You know, the two games against the Packers, you kicked away because you didn't you didn't show up. Kirk Cousins had bad games in both yep. of those games. And if you give those, if you turn those three losses, just those three losses. Just that. I mean, we didn't even talk about the debacle at Soldier Field in week four. Old okay? Chase Daniel. You take those two games, or those three games, and turn those into wins, the Vikings are 13-3. and three. Whole different story. 13 and 3, they got a first round bye, and I don't know how the tiebreakers would play out, but maybe the number one overall seed, and they're hosting the NFC Championship game, perhaps. Yes. And that's, that's, that to your point, that has to be the goal for them. The question I have is, are they, do they have the fortitude going into next season to not let the two games against Green Bay happen again? The game again, the the loss you kicked away in Kansas City. Yep, nobody knows. Do, do they have the fortitude to do that? And and I don't know. I mean, we can talk about they got to go get a guard, they got to draft a tackle, they got to go get corners and all that stuff. And that's the other part of this too, Myron. Is they're in a situation salary cap wise, they're gonna have to let some guys go. Yes, some key some key pieces go, and Mike Zimmer's probably gonna have to do some magic defensively. Yep. I mean, because he's known as a great defensive mind, he's going to have to probably do some patchwork on his defense. And I just wonder if going into next season, if they're a, if they're going to have the fortitude to not kick away a lot of games and put themselves in position to have home field advantage, because that's going to increase their chances of getting to the Super Bowl. And b, are they going to be able to have? Are they going to be able to endure some of the key losses that are inevitable this off season? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, because changes are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, change is going to come. That's what Sam Cooke said. Uh, it's a great song. If you haven't heard it yet, uh, changes are coming, but it doesn't matter because you expect Mike Zimmer, if he is that defensive guru that a lot of people says he is, it, it, he'll find a way. Uh, you still keep a guy like Daniil Hunter. You're not losing him. You know, right. you, you got to find a situation in your secondary to shore that up because there were too many holes there. But I think this is a team that defensively under Zimmer. They've at least been respectable, and they've been excellent in some years. Mm-hmm. So you would expect them to not hover below that, even with some of the changes. It comes down to what you just said. It, it ain't the X's and O's and the analytics and all the other stuff that people ex- ex- obsess over. It's can you win big games? Mm-hmm. Can you win critical games? That's the bottom line. That 49ers team that's in the Super Bowl right now, that's a team that showed up in big Moment. Huge. That's a team that even in their losses, you weren't just beating them. You were going to have to play both halves, four quarters to beat them. They were always ready, regardless of the situation. Can the Vikings be that kind of team? Can you be the team that goes on the road, beats Dallas when everybody thought Dallas was a solid team, and not be the team that comes back and you're down 20 0 to the Denver Broncos and whatever power forward they were playing at quarterback? That week, like, can you be that Brandon team? Because <laughs> those are the things to me, man. Yeah. Is the best teams in the league, the teams that get there, are consistent, and that has to be the key word going into training camp: consistency. And I feel like if you start next year and you are six, seven games into that season, and we're seeing the same patterns, and you've lost a couple games already that you should have won, tell me why you keep Mike Zimmer. I, I understand. Yeah. That Mike Zimmer has proven a lot, and I understand it's not easy to find 
a head coach. Hello, Freddie Kitchens, right? Uh, <laughs> hello, a number of guys in this league who everyone thought they were the solution, and then they weren't. Hello, but Manny, Matt Patricia. Come on, Manny. For me, it feels like, and not to be confused, that's Manny Hill. I'm Myron Metcalf. Just in case you got it a little <laughs> twisted, I understand. This is kind of a new thing. Don't worry. We'll, we'll help you through it. But, Manny, I don't understand why he stays if there are early signs that we're going to see the same show, why you don't just move on to a Kubiak if you find that yourself in that situation because you can't waste this window. Daniil Hunter's great right now. But yeah. you know what happens with aging superstars like that? When they take a step back, it is really, really dramatic, right? Mm-hmm. Now, he's not there yet, but you've got to take advantage of that guy right now and how great he is. You've got to take advantage of what Stephon Diggs and hopefully a healthy Adam Thielen gives you. A Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith. You've got to take advantage of this now because even a year later, even 2021, it could be a whole different story, Manny. This mm-hmm. team could be completely out of the mix in the NFC, and that's why I feel like they got to capitalize, and that's where the Kubiak promotion means to me, hey, look, there's a veteran guy that you can turn to if you feel like things are going completely south. And I think it brings me to my next question, though, of how open is this window right now? What? Because, well, because here's the thing. I think part of, I mean, San Francisco has been terrific and John Lynch has done a great job. Yeah, they're scary. But I also think a part of this, too, is the 49ers were presented an opportunity and they went 13 and three and they won some key road games down the stretch. New Orleans. Seattle to win the division in Week 17, got home field advantage. Now they're in the Super Bowl. You credit John Lynch for the great job he's done building the team and Kyle Shanahan Mm -hmm. coaching the team. But I also look back at the Vikings in 2017 when they had the number one defense statistically across the board in the NFL, and I wonder if that was their window with this group. And they win the Philadelphia in the NFC title game and laid an egg. And I wonder, and I look back at these last handful of years, and I wonder if 2017 was their shot. The 49ers have their shot now. Yeah. And they took advantage of it. They're in the Super Bowl. Now, I think on paper, it looks like the 49ers could be good over the next couple of years, but what if they're 10 and 6 next year? Because they have some injuries and the schedule. The LA Rams. You know, the, the schedule. Yeah, the Rams. You know, the Rams gave Jared Goff a long-term contract, and they re-upped on, on Todd Gurley, yep. and they went 9-7 and seven this year and missed the playoffs. They made a big home. trade for Jalen Ramsey to try and salvage their season, gave up two first-round picks for him. Now they don't have any picks over the next couple of years. Sitting at home. The good news yeah. is the people of L.A. didn't notice because they don't care about football <laughs> right, in that town, right. but they'll continue. So so I, I just wonder, too, with the Vikings, if you look back at this Mike Zimmer era now, six years into this now, if... Their window of opportunity was 2017, and they just didn't cash in on it. And now it's time to sort of hit, you know, not maybe not exactly tear the entire thing down, but to start thinking about turning a page into a new era. Now, I think it's well up for debate if Mike Zimmer should be at the forefront of that. I understand. I understand both sides of it. But I just wonder if the window has already kind of closed on this particular group, this core of players, and that if there's just going to be enough for them to to get over the hump the next couple of years. Well, if they were an AFC team, I would say yeah. 
it's probably over. Mm-hmm. Because in the AFC, think about being a, a, a younger AFC team. Like, let's say you're the Texans, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're a team like the Jags a couple years ago when they go to the AFC championship game and everyone assumed they were a piece away. And now they're <laughs> terrible and they're going to break up and they're not going to have anything left uh, next season. If you're in the AFC and you were a younger team and you had a window, you had a game like the Jags or uh, you were the Colts under Andrew Luck, you'd be going, okay, I got to get through Tom Brady and however long he's going to play. Yeah. And now there's this dude, Patrick Mahomes, who could do this for another 15 years. <laughs> oh, and by the way, if he doesn't do it, it will be because this guy, Lamar Jackson, who could change the entire NFL, is right there. I mean, if you're an AFC team right now, you yeah. got to be going, my goodness, are we ever going to get to the Super Bowl this if we don't have Mahomes? With those two guys, this we could be looking at Brady Manning part two. One hundred percent, guys. Where they're just facing off every year in the playoffs, and so the you're winner stuck. of that is going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're stuck in the AFC. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you're not getting through Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I mean, the Titans came close, but you're, you're not getting through both of those guys going forward in the NFC, Manny. Who scares you? Who's great? The 49ers are very scary right now. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they can do this consistently. No one looks scarier than the Rams a year ago. The Rams looked like the kind of team that was going to score 40 points a game. Yeah. Defensively, they were good. They were going to change the NFL with the style they were playing and Sean McVay. And they were going to be the antidote, the kryptonite, the mm-hmm. Tom Brady and the Patriots. Where are they at this year? They're 9-7 and seven with no draft picks. Sitting at home. No draft yeah. picks trying to figure out where they go. Yeah. So the NFC, in my opinion, doesn't have that juggernaut. There's no Thanos in the NFC, which is why I say the window is still open. Green Bay was not a great team. Mm-hmm. But they were good enough in the NFC to get a game at home and to play Seattle there. The Seattle Seahawks, I think, were a very overrated team. But they have one of the best quarterbacks in football in Russell Wilson. Yeah. But I don't think that was a good Team. The Eagles made the playoffs, America. The <laughs> Eagles, right? And all the struggles they had, they stumbled into a playoff spot. So I think this, in terms of the NFC, there is a path to getting there if you're the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know anything about winning it. And yeah. and and erase all of this if the 49ers beat the Chiefs by two touchdowns and they re-up in the offseason and continue to get better, we can have a different conversation. But Manny, right now... It feels like the Vikings can be at that level and at a minimum put themselves in a position to be a game away from the Super Bowl. And and if they don't do that, why aren't you moving on from this? Like, if, yeah. That has to be the expectation. We cannot keep changing expectations based on the fact that they're not meeting the mark. Like, You don't get to lower the bar because you're struggling, because you can't beat Kansas City and Matt Moore, because you can't beat Chase Daniel and Chicago Bears. That ain't going to change nothing in terms mm-hmm. of expectations. You told people in 2017 that you needed a quarterback. You went out and got your quarterback, and his name was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. You got him, and wow. where have you been since? You said you needed a real quarterback. You got Got one, and here we are going. Can they get back to the NFC Championship game? If they don't do that next year, Manny, you've got yeah. to help me understand why this team doesn't make dramatic changes. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think my question is, can they do it with this quarterback? And I'm I'm Myron, I'm not sure they can. I'm not sure they can because there is still a lot of talent on this team. And here we are again a year later with Kirk Cousins talking about they need to get this, they need to get this, and they need to get this, and they need to get this. Yeah. And they need to get this over on defense, and they need to improve this. 
And even if they decide to part ways with, let's say, Everson Griffin and, you know, you part ways with Everson Griffin, okay, you got to find somebody else to step in to that spot. You part ways with Xavier Rhodes, okay, that's going to give you some cap relief. Yep. You got to you gotta fill that spot. You do. Is Mike Hughes going to fill that spot? Let's put a cardboard box there. Uh, I mean, that well, doesn't move yeah. any faster than that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Let's put a cardboard but, box in the ground. But the reality is, is you're cutting you're cutting Xavier Rhodes because you need to improve at that position. Yeah. And can you improve at that position? Can you go into free agency and do that? Okay. That's one of the things you need to do. All right. Offensive line. We hear about the offensive line a lot with Kirk Cousins. Okay. If you're going to move on from Riley Reef, you're going to draft a left tackle. Okay. Is he going to be Jonathan Ogden right away? Because it seems like that's what he's going to need to be. Yeah, that'd be nice. That's a lot to ask. Okay, Pat Elfline had a really bad year by PFF numbers and everything, and everybody wants to get rid of Pat Elfline. Okay, I'm I'm not against that. You got to find his replacement. You got to you got to upgrade at that position. You do. Okay. It just to me, it's it's like is improving this team enough to get them over the hump. Is it even feasible? Is me, it even possible? And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there is enough cap space and enough draft capital to put this team in a position where they can get to the Super Bowl next season. Let me ask you this question: What conversation are we having right now if the Minnesota Vikings host the Seattle Seahawks in the divisional round of the playoffs mm-hmm. when? And advance to the NFC Championship game. And let's say they don't show up against the 49ers, not because they're not a good team, but because the 49ers are just that good. What conversation are we having right now about windows? It's different, right? Mm-hmm. It's different. So for me, if I thought that this team had no path to that point, I could go, okay, I get it. There are clearly three or four teams in the NFC that are significantly better than the Minnesota Vikings, and there's just no way. Mm-hmm. But it feels like a numbers game to me. Yeah. And they just keep losing the numbers game. And I understand that that is about showing up in big moments. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they've got to do. That's with on Kirk the head Cousins. coach and it's on the quarterback. 100%. Yep. That's the biggest change they got to make between now and next season. We'll be back on Purple Daily here on Score North after this. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need When you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever, like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Rammstein is live at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, August 30th. Tickets are on sale right now over at Rammstein.com. Download the Score North app for your chance to win tickets to the show over at ScoreNorth.com. The 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 vacationing Matthew Collar has the fourth part of his The Future of the Franchise series. Hit that refresh button there, Jonathan. It's okay. You're good. It's Friday. He has the fourth part of his The Future of the Franchise series focusing on the offensive line. Caller talks about what the Vikings have at the tackles, guards, and center, and where each ranks in PFF rankings among the other players at their positions in the league. There's also a look at the free agents set to hit the market at each of those positions this offseason already released. 
in the series are looks at the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver slash tight end groups. Go check out that series and Caller's article about what the offense under Gary Kubiak means for Kirk Cousins over at scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, thank you. Uh, you said Romstein, right? The heavy metal mm-hmm. group? Yep. Right, the right. German yeah. heavy metal band. Yeah, yeah, they're intense, man. I know some, some people are into that. Into that group, it's not my thing, but I know some people who it's are not my cup of tea. But who are, who are into it? I respect. I respect. A lot of screaming, but guess what? Nineties hip hop. There's a lot of screaming too. <laughs> yes, Mystical screamed his way to about yeah. three platinum albums. Buster Rhymes screamed for no hey, reason. I was. Ja Rule sounds like Cookie Monster. We didn't make fun of him. We just hey, we just bought his music. Hey man, I saw DMX at the poorhouse about four years ago. I bet it was great. Three, three and a half years ago. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was quite the performance. So my one Some DMX story is I'm staying at the same hotel as DMX, Method Man, and Red Man. They're all on a tour, mm-hmm. right? They are told you cannot park your limo in Chicago in this no parking zone. But he's DMX. Yep. But he's not prime DMX. He's like 2016 DMX. Oh, yeah. Not treated the same way. Yeah. The valets are like, dude, you can't park your limo here. They say, whatever, we don't care. <laughs> they come back, and they're getting ready to go to their concert. And their limo has the boot on it. And they can't move their limo. And now they are upset. Like DMX upset. You know, like, what do you mean? You know, that kind of thing. Like, they are very, I can't believe you did. You know, that's my limo. You know, that kind of thing. So they're they're like so upset that they cannot move this limo that they were told to move, right? There's a boot on DMX's limo, but he had been one, right? You know, (laughs) like, does he talk that way at home? Are you going to get the groceries? I like some apples. You know, that kind of thing. So. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if you weren't a 90s hip-hop fan, you missed out. Oh, boy, did uh, you ever. Uh, you know, when you think about history in terms of, you know, how we remember uh, historic moments in sports, the Hall of Fame in the NFL is as big as it gets. Like, I don't know if there's a, a, a more reputable club in terms of a group that gets more respect than the NFL Hall of Fame. Maybe Heisman Trophy winners. Mm-hmm. That might be the one that's slightly above that in terms of how people view the guys who've won that award. But but the gold jacket, I mean, that's a whole thing. To be a part of that club, it's an exclusive group. And now Eli Manning, who retired today uh, after a long career in the NFL, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, beat the Patriots, one of the few teams to to do that, one of the few quarterbacks to enjoy that. He's retiring. And now we are already starting the, does Eli Manning deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Top 10 in passing yards, two Super Bowl MVPs against arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. Manning, not much else beyond that, right? I think yards per attempt, he's 87th all time in the NFL. I think he has the same completion percentage as Jason Campbell. Uh, so there are a lot of things where you go, yeah, Eli doesn't measure up. So Eli should not be in the Hall of Fame. But it's not his fault. In my Hall of Fame, Manny, I would remove probably 85% of the people who are in there. Here's what the Hall of Fame has become. The Hall of Fame has become a place for great players, uh, pretty good players, Mm -hmm. and then likable, slightly above average players, right? Like, to me, the most ridiculous things is someone getting in on, like, their last attempt. And it's like, wow, he finally got in. If we're having a conversation for a decade about a guy, does he deserve to get into the Hall of Fame? This is the Hall of Fame. It should be reserved 
for great players only, Manny. And here you have, oh, Sam Johnson played with the Giants in 1974. He's on his 45th year of eligibility, and he finally got in. Let's all congratulate Sam Johnson and his family for finally getting in. It should not be that. The Hall of Fame in the NFL should be reserved for the players that we don't have to talk about. We don't have to have conversations about their greatness. We don't have to discuss their achievements because you say the name and you know. Randy Moss. There's no conversation about that. Right. There's no disagreement or argument. There's We're no not, conversation about Drew Brees. None of those things. Yeah. So for me, if we have to have a conversation about a player, in my opinion, you don't get in. My other rule would be you're either a first ballot Hall of Famer or you're not a Hall of Famer. Now, this is nothing against the Hall of Fame and nothing against some of these players because there are a lot of really good players who aren't in the Hall of Fame. But if we're going to make it clear and we don't want to have this gray area that we have in the Hall of Fame, you have to reserve it for the best of the best. Anything beyond that, it gets really confusing. Eli Manning is going to get in because he deserves to get in under that gray area criteria. Yeah. But if it were solely reserved for great players, Manny, Eli wouldn't get in, but it, he wouldn't be the only one. There'd be a whole bunch of quarterbacks, a bunch of players in this generation who didn't get into the NFL Hall of Fame simply because they weren't good enough, and that would be okay in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of it, to your point, you look at Eli's numbers and you look at what he's accomplished in his career and the two Super Bowls, you know, beating beating Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in both Super Bowls like that. Yeah, great, great weight. teams. Yeah, great teams. The undefeated and, team was probably the biggest one. Oh, yeah, abs- absolutely. But then it's like, okay, you look at Eli's regular season stats. He led the league in interceptions three times. Um, he was a five. He had a 500 record as a quarterback. Did throw a lot of touchdown passes, 366. Um, but was that accumulation? Was that skill or accumulation? Was that just being in the league a long time? Yeah, well, I mean, 16 years is. I mean, it's a it's a fairly long time, but we've seen we've seen quarterbacks play longer. I, I but I, I guess my point is, you look at what what's hurting Eli in some ways. What's what's helping him and hurting him at the same time? If this if that even makes sense is a guy like Joe Namath. Now, take Joe Namath's numbers. Now, I understand he played in a different era. Yeah. He played, you know, in a different era. But it's what's helping Eli is Joe Namath is in. What's hurting Eli is Joe Namath is in. Yeah. Because everybody talks about how, okay, well, Eli led the league in interceptions. Let's see. Led the league in interceptions three times. He had 20 in 2007, won the Super Bowl that year. He threw 25 in 2010, and he threw 27 interceptions in 2013. Bruh. It's a lot. Joe Namath. Everybody got an interception off him. My goodness. Joe Namath. You get one. You get one. Well, (laughs) Joe Namath basically said, hold my beer before Eli Manning was even (laughs) born. Joe Namath led the NFL, AFL, NFL. In interceptions, four times. Ooh. 27 interceptions in 1966. In 66, he threw 27? 28 interceptions in 1967. Lamar Jackson would never. 22 picks in 1974, and 28 again in 1975. But you know, he was at the disco clubs, and you know, he's probably getting to the arena, or to the stadium, 
15 minutes before kickoff, you know. Joe Namath, career record as a starter was 62-63-4. and four. He threw 173 career touchdowns and 220 interceptions. But you know why he's in? Because of a moment, right? Yep. Because of, of a moment. Game. But... Because of one game. But because of that criteria, man. And one he, thing he said before the game, yes. actually. It's not even the game itself. Because of that criteria, that's why Eli will get in. Yep. Because he's going to get in based on what he did against maybe the best team of all time. Yep. My only concern is this, I man. I think his last name will help him as well. The, the name helps as well. Yep. But my only thing is this, Manny. If you're going to put him in, just admit that's the reason why. Like, let's not have conversations about 57,000 passing yards and playing in a league for 16 years. Let's not act like it's about football and what he's done over the course of his career. Let's all just admit that it's very perplexing how the NFL Hall of Fame selects uh, uh, the people who are eventually inducted. Mm -hmm. We don't really understand the criteria. And, And in certain situations, guys get nominated based on what they have done in a moment, in a stretch, in a game, mm-hmm. even. If you tell me that, Manny, and I'd love to hear what people think about this, 651-646-8255. Mm-hmm. If you think Eli's a Hall of Famer or not, 651-646-8255. Just admit, Manny, yeah. that that's the reason why he's getting in. Don't try to have some philosophical conversation. Don't tell me about the analytics. Don't tell me any of that stuff. Just tell me that you saw two of the greatest Super Bowl performances against two of the greatest teams we have ever seen in football, and then I'll say, okay, fine, you're right. In this version of the Hall of Fame, not my version of the Hall of Fame, Mm -hmm. because that would be reserved for the greatest players of all time, Eli Manning gets in. Here's my thing, Manny. Let's just be real about it. At what point in Eli Manning's career did you say to yourself, this is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL? What year was it? (laughs) You know? What two-year period was it? There was not any two-year period. See, and that's hurting yeah. him. Yep. It's going to hurt Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt Matthew Stafford. It's going to hurt all these guys who are going to have a bunch of fancy numbers attached to their names. Yep. And then we're going to look back and go, well, wait a minute. Were they ever really great? You know, were they ever really a, a guy who you said, this is certainly the class of the position, one of the top two or three guys at the position? That, to me, should be part of the criteria. Like, there should be a stretch where we said, you are one of the greatest of all time. And it's clear. We don't have to have a conversation. I admire, I enjoyed watching Randy Moss get mm-hmm. his Hall of Fame induction when that big guy, David Baker, who apparently is like 6'10", 400 pounds or something like that, the guy who knocks on the door. And to see Randy Moss with his family shedding tears, that was a great moment. Everybody knew it was coming. And you you see Randy enjoying that moment and that opportunity uh, to just celebrate that achievement. But, Manny, I have a hard time when everyone goes, well, that guy was pretty good in that generation. Okay, he was pretty good. Was he great? Was he great? Can we ask that question? Because if we're asking the question about greatness and he doesn't fit that criteria, why are we putting him in the Hall of Fame, Manny? What's your opinion on guys who were great but not great for a really extended period of time? Like, because guys like... Obviously, Brady, Breeze, yeah. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, those guys are all, you know, I mean, Brett Favre's already in, yeah. and he should be in, obviously, but all those other guys I listed, not in yet, but they're going to be in. 
they're going to be in largely because they were the elite of the elite and they were great for they were all great for an extended period of time. Yep. So what's your opinion on somebody who was great for maybe like a two or three year period but didn't maintain that level of greatness over the course of over the majority of say a 12 to 15 year career. The Andrew Luck case, I call it. I, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think to me Kurt Warner I think kind of falls Kurt in Warner that, certainly that does. Yeah. But but what does Kurt Warner have? When guys have won Super Bowls, they're yeah. in a different category. Mm-hmm. Like when guys have won Super Bowls, they're in a whole different room and they get judged differently in terms of perception. Now for me, Terrell Davis I think falls in that 100%. conversation, yeah. Winning a Super Bowl alone shouldn't be the thing that elevates you, right? If you're going to put Gail Sayers in and you're going to put Terrell Davis, then go put my man Sterling Sharp in too. Yeah. Because Sterling Sharp for seven yeah. of eight years was one of the best uh, wide receivers in the NFL. And the only guy better than him for a big stretch of the seat of the, his career was Jerry Rice. And you right? know what? And with Sterling Sharp especially, if he hadn't injured himself, he would have gotten himself a Super Bowl because he would, have, he, he would have been on that Packers team that beat New England in the Super exactly. Bowl 31. And and. Injuries kept him out, but right. Gail Sayers, same story. He's in. No one has a problem with that. Terrell Davis, injuries. He's in. No one has a problem with that. So winning at a high level certainly helps, and it helped Terrell Davis. But I think we judge those guys differently if you've won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. This other group of guys who were great for a, a moment, great for a two- or three-year stretch, for me, you've got to have played maybe seven or eight or nine years. And if there's no significant drop-off, if you were great – and then you just went to kind of pretty good. In this Hall of Fame, you 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 have a case, maybe. Mm-hmm. In this Hall of Fame, for me, if we're having that conversation, he's not in. Like if Kurt Warner's not in in my in my Hall of Fame, Kurt Warner had moments and he had a great stretch. Mm-hmm. He's not one of the greatest of all time. We don't talk about Kurt Warner as being one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen over the last thirty years. We talk about Favre like that. We talk about Montana and Steve Young. We talk about Elway. We talk about, obviously, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, Drew Brees. In my opinion, in the 37 years I've been alive, there are maybe 10 Hall of Fame quarterbacks I've seen who should be Hall of Famers. Mm -hmm. Now, there have been triple that, I think, or whatever, during that time period. I think there's 20. You know, maybe double. look it up. I think there's 20 quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. There are about 10 guys where I'm like, certainly a Hall of Famer. But I just think Manny... It gets confusing because you can't tell me why Sterling Sharp isn't in, but Terrell Davis is, and Gail Sayers is in. Oh, like, I'm you with can't you. Tell I think me Sterling that. Sharp should You be can't in. tell me why Terrell Owens, who was the only receiver in the history of the NFL, the only receiver in the history of the NFL to have 12 consecutive seasons with 750 or more yards, how does he not get in? Jonathan, how many quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame? 26 modern era quarterbacks. 26. 26. That's wild. I think 10 of those. You got the list in front of you? Yep. Okay, read read the list, and we're going to go back and forth and say, again, your criteria. Mm -hmm. Who cares what the Hall of Fame says? All three of us. Are they in or not? So start with the first name. Troy Aikman. No. Really? No. Product of a really great team? No. I'll say yes. I think I'd put him in. Because of the Super Bowls, right? That's Super fair. Bowls, accuracy, leadership, mm-hmm. being the guy, being at the forefront of that team that had a lot was he of better crazy. Than, was he better than Farver Young? Was he no. better than those guys? No. Those are my only two guys from that era. I have a hot take on Steve Young, by the way. But okay. 
Please can, can continue, uh, continue, Jonathan. George Blanda. Well, George is one of the all-time yeah greats. I'll I'll put him in. Yep. Terry Bradshaw. No. No. I'm with you. No. Mm. If you have to think about it, man, he doesn't that say a lot though. Yeah. Four Super Bowls is a lot, man. That Steelers team was a lot, though, right? Yeah, and, but he was that the Steelers MVP. He did, he did win MVP of the Super Bowl twice. Did you ever think of him as being one of the... If you, if you strip that... Growing up, actually, yeah. Before I even looked at like his numbers and everything. Don Bradshaw was one of the greats? Yep. So he's in for you? Yep. Okay. Uh, Len Dawson. Uh, yeah, I'll put Len Dawson in. See, you had to think about it, though. I did. <laughs> I'm going against my own rules. I know I'm being hypocritical. That's okay. Uh, yes, for me. Let okay. Also, these a little quicker. John Elway. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Definitely. Brett Favre. Definitely. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Dan Fouts. No. See, and that's that. Dan Fouts is a tough one for me because I feel like if Dan Fouts is in, then Philip Rivers should be in. Dan Fouts isn't in. Philip Rivers that's, isn't in for me. That's then that's that's an argument I've been playing for probably about five years now. But Otto Graham. Yeah, he's he, yep. yeah. I mean. Bob, pioneers. Bob yeah. Greasy. Uh, Bob's a no for me. Bob's a no for me. Yeah, probably no for me. Sonny Jurgensen? Uh, no. Jim Kelly? Yes. Yes. Kelly's Absolutely. A- Bobby Lane? I don't know enough about me Bobby either. Lane. Dan Marino? Yes. Absolutely. Joe Montana? Absolutely. Yes. Warren Moon. Ooh, oh, man. Remember, this is the Pro Football Hall of this Fame, is... not just the NFL Hall of Fame. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because Warren, you can't yes take away what you did in the Warren CFL. Moon. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Joe Namath? No. No. Joe Namath is a man. Joe Namath is a moment. He's not him. In. He's not him. Ken Stabler? I'll say yes. Yeah. Ken's in. Bart Starr? Yes. Yes. Roger Staubach? Yes. yes. Franz Arkenton? Yes. Yes. Y.A. Tittle? Yes. Yes. Johnny Unitas? Yes. Norm Van Brocklin? Yes. Mm-hmm. Kurt Warner? No. I will say... Kurt's not in for me. I've I've wavered a lot on Kurt Warner. I'll say yes. Bob Waterfield? Don't know enough, I don't about, know enough him. about him. Steve Young? Yes. yes absolutely. And that's your 26. My hot take on Steve Young? What's that? Better than Joe Montana. <laughs> on what planet, Manny? On planet Earth? On the planet that saw Steve Young run and improvise a lot on his own. And that doesn't mean that Joe wasn't great, but yeah, Steve, I, Steve was a bad man. Yeah, I and, just, I, and, I'm, and I'm biased with that hot take because Steve Young was like the first, when I got into the NFL and got into football, yeah. Steve was, he was the best quarterback in the NFL oh, man. in the mid-90s. How much time we got on this? Job? What, what do we got? How much time? We've got and a couple I love minutes Joe before Montana. we go to break, but this is a topic we could we should definitely carry over. We should, we should carry over. 651-646-8255. What are your thoughts on the Hall of Fame? Who deserves to get in? We'd love to hear you. 651-646-8255. What you just said, Manny, <laughs> is why I don't know how anyone understands who gets picked for the Hall of Fame. Because you've got this entire voting panel and they all have their own criteria, mm-hmm. how do you say this guy, even if he's in, is certainly a Hall of Famer? If we're all coming at it from different ways, that's why I think you either open up the floodgates, which they have, which is why Eli gets in, which is why 
Philip Rivers probably gets in, not on the first ballot, but I'd say by the third or fourth ballot, Philip Rivers gets in. It's going to be because this is the way the Hall of Fame is, Manny. We have decided that we are going to allow everybody and their mom and them, as we used to say, into the <laughs> Hall of Fame. We're not going to allow it to be just great players. Pretty good's good enough. Likeable above average player is good enough. And if that's going to be the criteria, let's stick with that. But just admit it when you put an Eli Manning in there and say, mm-hmm. this is your guy. Because he's only your guy because of two games. And fine, that's the way the Hall of Fame is. We're going to continue this conversation on Purple Daily here on Score North after the break. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Byron Metcalf here filling in for Matthew Collar with Manny Hill on Purple Daily on Score North. Uh, my man Jonathan, we are talking about the NFL Hall of Fame. And, and whether anyone knows what it takes to get into the Hall of Fame, we're, we're trying to figure it out. Uh, we started this conversation with Eli Manning. Uh, somehow it descended into Manny calling Steve Young a better quarterback than Joe Montana. I think I that's what I heard. Uh, and, and things just went crazy uh, from there. But I believe we have a caller who wants to jump in on this NFL Hall of Fame conversation. John in Manhattan. What's up, fellas? Uh, you know, regardless of Eli Manning uh, and getting into the Hall of Fame, I'm just excited that we as Vikings fans get to watch a QB put up Hall of Fame numbers for our very own purple and gold. <laughs> so, so Kirk he's, Cousins is well, – here's the thing, though. He's – yeah. How old, how old is Kirk? Kirk is 31. Yeah. I think he turns 32 this year. I mean, accumulation is a big thing when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Seven years from now, you don't know. I mean, if he puts together six, 4,000-yard seasons or something, like accumulation well, matters in the NFL, which is why mm-hmm. a Matthew Stafford, who will have maybe the worst winning percentage of any starting quarterback who started for the same team for more than a decade when he's eligible, is going to have a mountain of yards. Like Matthew Stafford might retire with 65,000 passing yards or something like that. Like he's still in his early 30s. What do you do with that? Well, here's here's what's so interesting about a guy like Kirk Cousins. Not obviously, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but if the Vikings somehow miraculously win the Super Bowl next year with yeah. Kirk Cousins, changes everything. Changes everything. Hundred percent. That's amazing, though, isn't it? Like, that's it's, it's amazing because right now, there's no way in hell I'm putting Kirk Cousins in the Hall of Fame. There's no way in hell. But everybody who isn't Trent Dilfer or Brad Johnson mm-hmm. or Joe Flacco, I should say, but Joe, <laughs> like anyone who hasn't either been a game manager or shown a dramatic decline from their Super Bowl season, for the most part, they've been Hall of Famers. They've been Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Like think about all the guys who've won in the Brady era. Like they, for the most part, have been Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Russell Wilson will be in the Hall of Fame at some point, right? Like Russell Wilson is going to get there. At Patrick Mahomes wins one this year. Mahomes is going to be a Hall of Famer. So yeah. Super Bowl. Although I'll say Myron Jim Plunkett won too, and he's not in. Yeah, I don't. I'll say over the last thirty years, it's it's different. Mm-hmm. Just because you know, I I think the sports hub is so gigantic, and it's a lot easier to say put my guy in. 
and to just put a big spotlight on that idea. Uh, even though Edron James and Isaac Bruce and a number of guys aren't in, there have been a bunch of guys who benefited from sort of just the bandwagon saying, hey, this guy was really good. Why isn't he in? You can campaign almost. And I think quarterbacks who have Super Bowls, those are the easiest guys to get in. If mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins wins a Super Bowl and at 31 keeps playing another six or seven years. Does it does it matter how he performs in that Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, should it matter? Being an MVP has obviously helped Eli Manning. That changes the conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think if he's good and they win, and then for me, it would be because you're assuming, let's say he does it next year, right? Right. Now you got to say six, seven years if he's still playing good football mm-hmm. and he's had a couple of Pro Bowls in there, and you're like, oh, he also has a Super Bowl. That feels like enough to get in based on this great criteria. Yeah. How, how many career passing yards does he have right now? Kirk what Cousins, have? I have his totals up right now. Kirk Cousins, career passing yards, he has 24,107 okay. career passing yards. So they gave me a, a C- minus in math. But I think, if let's say he's got six more seasons, 4,500 yards or so ahead of him, right? So let's say, let's, let's give him another 30,000 passing yards. Uh, now he's, let's say, 54, 55,000. Eli Manning's at 57,000. Right, and I think he's going to get in. He's got a really good chance to get in. You know, if you're if you're approaching fifty five ish, slightly above that maybe, and you've got a Super Bowl, that would change everything. You know, I think the Super Bowl for quarterbacks, especially, is a difference maker. Again, if you're not if you're not Trent Dilfer, if you're not Brad Johnson, mm-hmm. and you're not Joe Flacco, but those three guys, two of them, no one thought of them as being the leaders of those teams that won Super Bowls, and the third guy, Flacco had like one really amazing stretch, and then that was it. Yep. You never heard from him again, yep. and he was quite average. But everyone else, the guys who've won Super Bowls, yeah, they've been in the Hall of Fame conversation for the most part. Young, Aikman, Brett Favre, John Elway, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. Like all those guys are going to the Super Bowl, are going to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. Like all of those yeah. guys will be Hall of Famers. Yeah. You know, now your Nick Foles won't be, you know, but those are the exceptions not the rule. So I think that would that would certainly change. But, I mean, you know, we're talking about fantasy land here. I mean, you know, like <laughs> if he wins the Super Bowl and puts up big-time yards, we're not there yet. But I think, Manny, I think it's easier for quarterbacks because you can do a thing or two. You can have a big game or two, and everyone goes, oh, of course he's a, he's a Hall of Famer. Ask somebody why Eli Manning's guaranteed to be a Hall of Famer without talking about the Super Bowls. <laughs> they can't tell you. They don't have an answer. Yeah. You know, you have to say it's for two games. And again, if that's your argument, I'm cool with it. Just admit yeah. it. And if that holds a lot of weight, because I think in the case of Eli, for me, the reason why I lean yes with him is because of those two games. That's it. There's nothing else, really. Yep. And and that in this Hall of Fame, that's enough. And because of and and in the case of Eli, especially because of the historical significance, especially of his first one. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Manny. Mm-hmm. We get. But I totally get. Like, if you tell me he's not, I can't even. Like, I can't even be mad at you. I can't even like. Yeah. Because it's like, that's why I'm very, very torn on the entire subject. But he's going to get with it. Eli. Yes, he's, he's going. To he's get going it. to get it. Yeah. So why do we give quarterbacks that ability, that leverage, to have big yeah. moments, big games? It's a great question. But other positions, we don't do that at all. Right. Right. 
Edron James was the NFL rushing leader for seven seasons. Mm-hmm. And Edron James isn't in the Hall of Fame. Might not get in. Barry Sanders got to one NFC championship game in his third year in the NFL with the Lions. Uh, crazy. Now, now Barry's a different, sure, yeah, a different caliber. But like that next group of running backs, nobody cares about those guys. Jamal right. Lewis, nobody cares about those guys. That next tier of wide receivers below Randy and Terrell Owens and Larry Fitzgerald to be a first ballot guy and Jerry Rice. That next group, nobody cares if Isaac Bruce gets in or not. Like quarterbacks get a certain everything they do is magnified. But the other the guys, yeah, the other guys don't. Yeah, they don't get that. To, to be a Hall of Fame linebacker, like you got to be someone where we say your name and everyone goes, oh my goodness, he was a monster. Like they're, they're in a bunch of above average, pretty good linebackers in the NFL Hall of Fame. You've got to be someone where people, you say your name and people go, oh my goodness. Uh, Junior Seau, of course. Ray Lewis, of course. Dick Buckus, of course. Like all these guys who you say their name and you go, that guy made a real difference in the NFL. Quarterbacks? Are we going to look back 20 years at the NFL Hall of Fame quarterbacks and go, oh, Phillip Rivers, that guy was really, what was he? <laughs> Tell me when you thought Phillip Rivers was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and wasn't fourth or fifth behind Breeze and Brady and the other guy who might be a top four or five quarterback that year. And that's why a lot of these guys, are. that's why a guy like Phillip Rivers gets hurt by by a guy like Dan Fouts getting in because now you're you're, if you're, the the only case you can make for Philip Rivers, and and I'm a Philip Rivers guy, I like him. But, yeah. but the 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 only case you can really make for Philip Rivers is that, well, Dan Fouts got in, and Philip Rivers is going to break every. He's going to finish his career if he hasn't already, breaking just about every Chargers career record. Yeah, that Dan Fouts had when he retired. Yeah, and Dan Fouts is in the Hall of Fame. And Dan Fouts, by the way, it's not like Dan Fouts was racking up Super Bowl appearances. He got to one, I think, one AFC title game. Yeah. The Freezer Bowl in Cincinnati. But in this confusing, perplexing, mixed-up era of the NFL Hall of Fame, there will be great areas. It's it's made things a lot. Guys like Joe Namath getting in, guys like Dan Fouts getting in have made things very, very tricky for the current guys. We just had a conversation where we envision a scenario where Kirk Cousins wins a Super Bowl next year, has another six, seven, eight more years where he's pretty good, and that's going to at least put him in a conversation. And that sounds ludicrous at this point, but go look at the guys who are in the Hall of Fame. Now, you know who we can't have that conversation about? No one's going to say that about Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs. Those guys would have to be the best of the best for a long, long stretch before you even said those words. Kyle Rudolph as well. Davin Cook, all the other guys mm-hmm. who make up that offense would have to be what? extraordinary. And Myron, I'm glad you brought up Dalvin Cook because running backs now, too. How are we going to look at running backs going oh, forward? Man. You know? I mean, it's because you're looking at guys like I mean, obviously, Adrian Peterson is Adrian Peterson is in the Hall of Famer. Or he, he is First a Hall ballot. of Famer. Yes. There's no there's no debate. Nope. No debate about that at all. But the problem now we're going to see with running backs is you can't just look at the all-time list of guys who have the most yards all time and and use that as sort of the measuring stick of whether or not a hall of, uh, a running back should get into the Hall of Fame because Agreed. because of the position because the position has changed yeah. we're not going to see guys like Frank Gore is still active right now he's the only guy that's still active that's yeah. 
climbing up. And Frank Gore's third all time in rushing yards yep. now. You're not going to see Jerome Bettis's. You're not going to see. Yeah, you're Jamal, not going to see. see the, you're not going to see the guys. You know, Dalvin Cook's not. We're not going to be looking at Dalvin Cook ten years from now, and he's going to be climbing up the. He's not going to get the opportunities. He's not going to get the opportunities no. because the position yeah. has changed. And now you you because the era has changed, the position has changed, the value of the position has changed. It's going to be really interesting to see how running backs shape up now over the next. 15, 20 years with the Hall of Fame. And it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be extremely hard for the pretty good running backs. The great running backs, Christian McCaffrey, if he keeps playing like this, he'll be he'll be in the mix, right? Sure, yeah. Um, but the list of guys from this era who are going to make the Hall of Fame, the list of guys who are playing right now, how do you think, okay, Dalvin Cook's pretty good. But then you see a Damian Williams, and you go, well, he's putting up big numbers for the Chiefs. This mm-hmm. guy was undrafted. The, the position has changed a lot. Jonathan, you had something to say. No, that was my question is how many guys from the past five, ten years do we imagine are going to get in? Not many. No, I think Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore. And I think right now, if you said that. right now, running backs that get into the Hall of Fame right now who are still active, it's Adrian Peterson, it's Frank Gore. Yeah. And then there are a whole bunch of guys where you go, we'll see. But the we'll see list for me is really small. Alvin Kamara, could he continue – at, at New Orleans, Christian McCaffrey, who's really more than a running back, right? Like, the list is pretty, pretty small, largely because these guys aren't going to play, to your point, Manny, more than four or five years. Because mm-hmm. as soon as they get, they got a big number attached to them, a big a big cap hit, teams are going to move on. Like, look at Le'Veon Bell. I was, see, I was just going like to bring him up. Not anymore. I mean, you thought he was on his way definitely to a Hall of Fame career. Yeah. W- what has he done since then? You know, he sits out a year, mm-hmm. comes to the Jets, nothing there. Like, Le'Veon Bell went from an era where teams still thought, let's win with the run game and let's just feed the beast. And he was a guy who could catch out of the backfield as well. To In the year he missed, the league was like, give me that undrafted kid. Uh, give me Chris Carson if you're the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, a guy who I believe was a seventh-round pick. Give me Damian Williams, undrafted. Uh, the kid at San Francisco, uh, Moster, Mostert. Uh, give Brian me him. Mostert, yeah. Give me him. Undrafted as well. Give me those guys, and we're going to run those dudes on these minimum contracts until they can't run anymore, and then we'll replace them. Because scheme is so important now in the NFL. Like, it's not how shifty are you and how fast. No, it's it's the totality of the run attack, and that's what's changed. The individual runner uh, is not worth as much as they were even three years ago when Le'Veon Bell wanted $25 million or whatever it was. Here's a name for you. Give it to me. Shady McCoy. Ooh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I say no. Eleven thousand yards. Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis is close to that. Jamal yeah. Lewis has twelve thousand five hundred total yards. Rushing yards. I think Jamal Lewis is at ten thousand seven hundred. Jamal Lewis had a two thousand yard season. Yeah. I, I mean, Jamal Lewis has done some big things. Won a Super Bowl. And yep. I'm biased towards Jamal Lewis because he's a former Tennessee Vol. Right. But has anybody but, yeah. had a conversation about Jamal Lewis getting into the Hall of Fame? No. For me, if Edrin James doesn't get in, because at a minimum you look at Edrin James and say consistency. Like there is a seven year period in the NFL where if you look at rushing leaders, it's Edrin James. Yeah. And that guy's not in. So if he's not in, I don't know that I can put Shady McCoy in. Right. I'm going to have a hard time putting anybody but Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. Beyond that, the wide receivers get that gets complicated as well. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, yeah. Larry Fitzgerald, who's behind Jerry Rice now, which if you want to know something remarkable about how good Jerry Rice was, Larry Fitzgerald could put together two 2,000-yard seasons in 2020 and 2021, and he still wouldn't catch Jerry Rice. That's how good Jerry Rice was. Yeah. But Larry Fitzgerald is a first ballot guy. Who else? Julio Jones? I think Julio's a Hall of So Famer. Julio's going to be there? Yep. Who else? Is Calvin Johnson guaranteed? That's going to be an interesting yeah. case as well. Like, so I think everyone but quarterbacks, like it's the reverse for everyone except quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, you, you shine a light on a couple moments and we go, oh, man, certainly. Everyone else, we go, well, I don't know if that's good enough. And it's going to get harder and harder for running backs and tight ends and wide receivers to to get there. Yeah, Calvin Johnson, 731 catches, 11,619 yards. Is that enough? 83 touchdowns. It's very, it's, it's, is that enough? Here's a name, and I wanted to get into it, get into him anyway and talk about him, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is a guy who had one of the more remarkable stretches we've seen at that position. I believe the only guy to have four 1,500-yard receiving seasons, um, he, he, he was special. Yeah. And now he's see, I getting think, arrested. See, I think from a from a number standpoint and even more so from a production, a level of excellence and production standpoint, for Antonio Brown, it's a yes for me. What's going to be interesting with him, though, is all of this off-the-field stuff that's come up. Oh, that'll hurt last you. Year. That, and, and fair or not, it has hurt guys. Yes. In the past, it hurt. I mean, Terrell Owens didn't do anything even remotely close to what Antonio Brown has been doing and making a joke and, and making a, 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 yeah. a sort of an embarrassment of himself that, you know, like like what Antonio Brown has been doing for the last two weeks. Yeah. yeah. And look how long, look how much of a joke that was for Terrell Owens. Third ballot. Yeah, I mean, it... it so, I mean, it's it's... But, I mean, from a number standpoint and from a level of excellence and production with Antonio Brown, it's an absolute yes for me. But I, I don't understand why we consider all of these other things for anyone who's not a quarterback. Yeah. Nobody talks about Ben Roethlisberger not getting in, and we know the cases that were hanging over his head oh, yeah. a couple of years ago. No one's ever mentioned him as a guy who may not get in. Ben's also a guy that has led the league in interceptions multiple times. He, he has. Yeah. Uh, Brett Favre? Go look in the archives about old Brett Favre. Yeah. And some of the things that have been have been attached to his name, right? No one's no one said Brett Favre doesn't get in, but everybody else is playing with this different standard and it just doesn't make sense to me. Do you know and this is not a I think Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer, but do you know he has and I think once I say this you're going to know why right away. Ben Roethlisberger has never made an all-pro team. Well, because of, because of who uh, he's for, playing. For obvious reasons, yeah. because of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady yeah. and, and Aaron Rodgers and all that. But that's just amazing to think about. Like, he's a Hall of Famer. I think Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer. I think he definitely The Super Bowls, that, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. But it's also just kind of funny to, to think that, like, he's never made an all-pro team. Yeah. We know why, but it's still just kind of funny to think about, like, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, and there's no doubt about it. But then you look and say, well, he's never been an all-pro. Well, we're going to have to judge everybody a certain way if they played at the same time as Peyton Manning, Tom right. Brady, Drew Brees. Yep. But that said, Eli, to me, doesn't come up as a guy who was right there behind those guys. 
Roethlisberger does. I mean, Roethlisberger, in many cases, was the guy who was right behind that group, won a Super Bowl. He's just in a different class. Yeah, yeah, two. I mean, the first one, he was sort of more of a game manager type. Right. But yeah, he will get credit for both. I think uh, he gets in as a result. But I just think there need, we just need, I need to see a list of what it takes to get into the Hall of Fame. Because for me, kick everybody out except the great players. You have 10% of the guys who are in there now. If you weren't great, and I'm talking, we're not having a conversation. We're not going to the barbershop and going, well, what do you think? We are saying, no, you are great. Your name is Jim Brown. Yes, you're going to the Hall of Fame. I don't care how many years you played. I don't care that you retired early. By the way, one of the greatest retirements of all time. You know that story, right? He was on the set uh, of the Dirty Dozens, and Paul Brown, who's the owner of the Browns, calls him and says, we need you to get back to the team. It's training camp. You got to come back. Jim Brown goes, well, I'm filming a movie. Looks like I'm retired, and that was it. Like that was legitimately how Jim Brown retired. He told that's, the Browns, "That's totally." I'm a Jim filming Brown a movie. Move. I love it. Uh, and guess what? Looks like I'm not going to make it to training camp. I'll see you all when I see you. Now, mind you, at the time, the guy was probably making ten times as much in movies than he was in football. But we don't have <laughs> conversations about those guys. Joe Montana, Steve Young. I know Manny thinks Steve Young was a better quarterback, but we don't debate whether or not they were Hall of Famers. Right. Brett Favre, we don't debate whether or not he was a Hall of Famer. Dick Buckus was certainly a Hall of Famer. Lawrence Taylor. Like, these are guys where you say their names and everyone's like, oh yeah, that dude's in the Hall of Fame. No doubt. And then from there, things get confusing. I I do want to touch on Antonio Brown uh, before we go to break and just what's happened there. Uh, Antonio Brown turned himself in today, if you don't know. Uh, was facing is facing a number of charges, battery, uh, accused of assaulting a moving truck operator, uh, and just a string of bizarre incidents that have followed him over the last couple of years. He's been accused of uh, assaulting women. Uh, he he has been he's there was an incident film where the, the mother of a couple of his children is at the house a couple of weeks back, and Antonio's calling her names in front of the kids. He's, he's going after the police officers. And, and just this guy is spiraling out of control. And and I think the thing about this situation to me, Manny, is that there were so many red flags. And the challenge is when you ignore those with a dude like that because he's so good at football, it's fine if you think he's still on your roster. Because when the Raiders got rid of him and he went to the Patriots, everyone's like, oh, man. This guy's going to be a difference maker. Then he has mm-hmm. a touchdown in his first game. And then the Patriots get rid of him, and there was still a group of people who were like, maybe he still has some football left. Let's see what happens. This is the consequence of entitlement. Yeah. And when you have a guy like that who got chance after chance after chance, in spite of all of his off-the-field nonsense, and then here he is facing jail time uh, after a string of incidents, like in some ways we're responsible because we let these guys get away with stuff, and now we're surprised that Antonio Brown is facing jail time, that he had to be released on a six-figure bond because he had to go to court today, turn himself in. Who's surprised by that? I'm not surprised you by know, it at all. His agent uh, cut ties with him, saying that he needs to get a mental health evaluation. Now, here's that other thing. Mental health is a very sensitive subject, and I certainly think there are people who have played in the NFL uh, who have dealt with 
the traumatic consequences of that. It, it has affected their mental health long term. But every time one of these guys gets in trouble, people go, well, it's mental health. How do you know? What makes you a psychologist or psychiatrist or an expert to understand the correlation between what he did on the football field and what he's doing now? Here's another theory, and I'm not an expert on anything. What if he's a jerk? Like, what if he's just a jerk? Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes that's all it is. You've got entitled dudes who go into regular life assuming that nobody has to, that everyone has to bow to them. They play according to their own rules. And guess what? They've lived a long life as a rich jerk. And that's how they conduct themselves. And that's how they act. And I think Antonio Brown falls into that category of guys who have surrounded themselves with yes men, thinking that they can get away with anything they want, millions of dollars in the bank. And now that all of that's gone away, because he missed out on $30 million, mm-hmm. right? And I think he's going to get some of that back in the grievance case, but he ain't getting the $30 million. You're starting to see the effects of that. You're starting to see what happens to a guy when he's like, dude, football's not going to take you back, Manny. And it's people say it's sad. I don't see it that way. I see a guy who is an alleged criminal who was also pretty good at football. And well, that's what we're seeing now. Well, and I, you know, it's... <sighs> I guess in some ways it's sad, but I think it's more so sad for the people that he's affected. Yes. And they should be, that should be the focus. More, I think it's a lot sadder for his kids. I think it's a lot sadder for the women in his life that he has affected negatively yes. Yes. in all of this. Like that's, and I, and I know it's easy to have the focus on AB because he is, he's the celebrity in all of this. Yeah. He's the most well-known person in all of this. But that video of him yelling at the cops and that's terrible, you know, dropping the n word and and all this other stuff, and his kids are there. It's terrible, like that's that's where that's where I was sad because it's like his kids are seeing this; they're yep. right at the forefront of this, and he has no understanding of the impact that he's having on his kids by behaving this way in front of them. That was the really sad part for me. How much mental help or how much of his mental health that needs to be addressed with him, I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he needs to go see this doctor and they need to evaluate. I don't know. But my biggest concern is the people that he has affected along, especially the last couple of years that all of this stuff has been has been going on. And for all we know, this stuff has been going on for years. We're just learning a lot of this stuff over the last calendar year yep. with him. But who knows how long all of this stuff has been going on. And we're just now seeing it. And I mean, we're just now seeing it. I mean, Mike Tomlin didn't want to deal with it anymore. And Mike Tomlin, uh, that culture is about as good as you can get with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if they're saying we're moving on, that's probably a good sign yeah. uh, that things aren't going well. I don't know if he needs help or not, but I certainly think his alleged victims need support as well, as you mentioned. We're going to come back, talk more Vikings here on Purple Daily on scorenorth.com and score north. I don't know why Paul's like that. Score north we'll see you app. soon. We'll see you soon. Jonathan here with the Score North Donald. We'll get you back to Purple Daily in just a second. But first, Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Securian Financial Superslide is open now through February 22nd over at CHS Field in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. and the Securian Financial Superslide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com keyword winter. 
Tom Pelissero tweeting out a couple bits of news regarding the Vikings and former Vikings staff. The Cowboys are, hi- are hiring George Edwards, the former Vikings defensive coordinator, as a senior analyst, according to a source close to him. Another experienced addition to Mike McCarthy's staff there. And one bit of news from Tom Pelissero as well that I'm sure we'll talk about here in just a second on Purple Daily. Vikings assistant general manager George Payton has pulled himself out of the running for the Browns GM job. Sources said the search continues there in Cleveland. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you. Thank you very much. Myron Metcalf here filling in for Matthew Collar. Manny Hill here. We'll get to the George Payton stuff real quick. I was on the internet, saw a couple things. One, apparently Anaconda is getting a reboot. Uh, who asked for that? I don't know. There, I mean, there are nope. there are no there aren't there aren't any more new ideas. The, the we're, in we're, talk, we're thinking of the same movie, right? The, the Ice Cube, Jennifer Lopez, Ice Cube, John Jennifer Boy. Lopez. Somebody decided they're going to reboot. Let's that. do that because no one has any new ideas. <laughs> oh my god! So that that's one that's one headline that bothered me going into this weekend. Here's another one coming soon: planes without pilots. No, apparently. Apparently, I'm good. Airbus, I guess that's a plane company, mm-hmm. completed its first ever automatic takeoff. There were f- pilots on deck in the plane, but only as a backup. They were never needed as the plane rolled down the runway and rotated and climbed to the prescribed al- altitude. So apparently, this is a thing. I'll tell you what. Let me get on a plane without a pilot, and I'm walking off the plane. So if if they're you better let me know in advance that there's no pilot on this plane. So let me get this straight: they're going to have pilots like on the plane, like on standby in case the bleep hits the fan. No, that was just the test. That was just the test. They're moving to. They want it. They want to be able to do it without pilots. Nope. Not me. Nope. Nope. Mm -mm. Not happening. I'm not afraid to fly, but nope. Nope. Let me walk on nah. a plane with no pilots and see me walk right off. No, I don't no care what dog. TSA says. I don't care what the flight staff says. Get me off the plane. I'll deal with the driverless car. I'm not dealing with the driverless plane. No, not at not all. Not going to happen. Not at mm. all. Are you kidding me? And I wonder, like, man, are they just going to spring this on us? That there's going to be a curtain? And then all of a sudden, we're just going to fly, and they'll be like, hey, by the way, there were no pilots on this flight. What? I'm that's, suing everybody if that happens. That's mm-hmm. a situation where I'm not paying $150 to get on the plane. They're paying me <laughs> exactly. to get onto that plane. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have a conversation with somebody. Um, we got a caller. Yes. Who we got? Dave in South Carolina. What's up, Frequent Dave? Uh, caller to uh, the Ventline Coffee Club. What's up, Dave? Hey, guys. How you doing today? Good, good. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, uh, you got me thinking about a couple things. Um, uh, I was going to actually mention George Payton anyway. Uh Thank goodness. I think he's going to be part of the transition next year. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I think that's another precursor to what y'all were talking about earlier. Uh, two words for you. I used to live right by the Hall of Fame and walk into the Vikings uh, decade, team of the decade 70s, and it was a play of Jim Marshall running the wrong way. Um, huh. Jim Marshall should be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt. I, uh, I don't need, Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a joke. It's, it's bothered me for a bunch of years. I think until – the Vikings ever won a championship, much like the Broncos did. A lot of that stuff's not going to end. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention, guys, that I've been thinking a lot about. I haven't called this week to the coffee club, but I wanted to refer this out. Um, I'm thinking <clears throat> that if we can get a number one pick, um, I think it's going to probably have to be for Digsy. Uh, I don't think I don't think Dalvin would, would, would get that or we'd be offered that because of the running back position. It's the last thing I ever want to do. 
but just bear with me just for a quick second. If you go into the draft with two number one picks, we, we all know you control that draft, that first round. My point is you have the potential to get a quarterback that you really want, or you can maneuver, keep those picks, and start to develop like we've been talking about, uh, Manny, on the on vent line, yeah. um, you know, with other positions. So, to me, I think it's really important that if you're going to have to make one tough decision this year, that you've got to get a number one pick. So when you go into the draft with two, then you can kind of do, move how you want to move and do what you want to do and what you guys think. But to me, it gives you an option of, hey, going with the quarterback, maybe in Tua, or let's say let's go ahead and get us a really good uh, quality uh, offensive lineman. Uh, I don't want to hear about defense. Uh, the maestro uh, can uh, develop uh, little league players and play in the NFL if he's that good, so let's let him do it. But we definitely need offense. And uh, that'd be my opinion, guys, and how I feel about it. That's just the thought I had all week long I wanted to share with you guys. I appreciate the call. I mean, thanks, Dave. for me, thanks, Dave. When you think about this draft, Joe Burrow's already got a place in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's smart, <laughs> he's got a real estate agent. They've purchased a place already in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, Tua might not be far behind. The thing with Tua remains very high ceiling, but a hip injury should scare any executive in the NFL. I mean, it's hard enough to develop healthy quarterbacks who come out of the uh, college football and they have this high ceiling. A guy who, you know, is going to have what? maybe more than a year of not playing football yep. before he's actually on the field and now he's in the NFL, mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to come of that. So a, a team, to me, is going to take him knowing that we might not see him for two years. I mean, that's not crazy, considering the rehab this year, being a young guy, getting back into the mix, and then maybe in year three, potentially, is when you reap the rewards of that. From there, what, Jordan Love at Utah State? I, I just... This is not a draft. I don't know enough about him. I didn't watch a lot of well, Utah State football. This isn't a draft where <laughs> you go. Charged. Well, you didn't miss much, but I think. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a draft where you're like, oh man, there's even if, even if you disagree with what happened in 2018 in the Lamar Jackson draft, there were still five quarterbacks where you thought they got a chance. Yeah. Right. Even if it hasn't worked out with it for anyone except for Lamar, you still thought there was a chance. And now look at those quarterbacks, Manny. Baker Mayfield, where is he? Is he guaranteed to get a second contract in Cleveland? Nope. Sam Darnold, any guarantees there? Nope. Nope. Josh Rosen doesn't have a starting job right now. Josh Allen is probably second to Lamar Jackson in terms of solidifying himself solidifying himself in that position. And I don't think he's very good. But those were five, four quarterbacks, because everyone forgot about Lamar, Mm -hmm. who we thought were a sure thing. This draft doesn't have that. This draft has Joe Burrow... Uh, Tua. Tua, who's hurt, and we don't know the result of this injury and how yeah. it affects him. And honestly, Myron, you know what? With Tua, it's not even the hip injury is actually not even the biggest concern with me for him because I I, I feel like because I know so, you know people have made the comparison to like the Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, it's, had and the it's hip not injury. that. It's, it's not. not it's that. not Bo Jackson. And also, Bo Jackson was you know thirty years ago. Yes. I think. I think medical medicine and yeah. technology and everything and knowledge has yeah they told Bo to have some orange juice quite a bit yeah, yeah. have a popsicle and some orange juice Bo since uh, surgery not needed right my bigger concern with Tua and I understand the hip being a concern I'm not as worried about that my concern with Tua injury wise is just the injuries in general 
because before before the hip injury, yeah. we were always, you know, every other week it seemed like he was, you know, rolling an ankle yep. or just taking a hard hit and having to leave the game and Jalen Hurts would come in and things like that. So um, my concern with Tua is not so much the hip injury in it's, itself, but it's just overall durability. That's a valid question. Because I love, I love the player. Yep. I love the player. I love the intangibles he has. I love the physical talent. It's all there. I just wonder about you know seeing him just get nicked up and banged up a little bit over the last couple of years. I just wonder how. And he's not a big guy. No, you and you can't ignore that. That's yeah. and he's probably Manny going to be the second quarterback taken. Yeah, in this draft. So I don't think for me, this isn't the draft where you go all in and try to get one of these quarterbacks. To to me, you're better off trying to get someone on the market because I don't think Jameis Winston is a guy who's going to win football games at this level if he can't clean up the interceptions, right? Right. But if if Jameis Winston gets cut, Mm -hmm. and now he's the seventh or eighth best quarterback available because – Teddy Bridgewater's about to get a bunch of money. Yep. Someone's going to assume that Philip Rivers... Might replace Jameis. Could. <laughs> Someone's going to assume that they can take Philip Rivers and win with him. Tom Brady may get fed up and say, fine, you don't want me in New England? I'm going to sign a two-year deal in Dallas. Yep. You know, like there are a bunch of quarterbacks who are going to be there before you get to a Jameis Winston. And that's not even including the rookie guys. So if a Jameis Winston is suddenly at a value, a respectable value, because his market... Is so low now. Is that the kind of guy where if you're worried about having a backup, you sign a low deal with a guy like that for a year and kind of see what happens if you need a backup, and then no. 2021 you figure it out. Not that he's your starter by any means, right? But I don't think you hit the full reset until you know exactly what you're doing with Kirk Cousins, and then in 2021, that to me is when you would make that decision to say we're going to groom another quarterback. Because Kirk Cousins is leaving, or you sign him to a short deal, but this doesn't feel like the draft where you give up a Stephon Diggs uh, in order to go out and get a quarterback who is part of a class that's less than the 2018 class, and no one except Lamar Jackson looks like a quarterback that we'll see for the next five years out of that group, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think you gamble in this draft, but I do think to his point, what do you do? If you don't give Kirk some massive extension, how do you approach that position? Like, if you're going to pay him, we get it. <laughs> then that's yeah. his job, and you're not going to do this at all. But if you don't, what do you do? What is that admitting? Then how do you approach the next two years at that position? Because you said something in the break that I think matters. If you don't sign Kirk Cousins, to me, what you're signing to an extension, what you're saying is this is it. We're going to roll the dice, and we're going to see what happens. We feel like this is the window. After that, we're going to blow the whole thing up, and we're going to start over with a rookie quarterback, with a young quarterback on a rookie deal, and we'll try to Patrick Mahomes this thing or Deshaun Watson this thing, you know? But, but But then it comes down to, okay, well, who is going to be the one to make that decision? That's another problem. Well, it might be George Payton, right? I mean, Rick Spielman is a guy who... He's tied to Zimmer. Like, I think they will go together if they do. You know, I, yeah. I think if you see a departure or a firing, they're together. But you've got to make that decision now, to your point, about Kirk Cousins. So I don't think you give Zimmer a lot of control in that because you don't know what's coming. Right. But then it would have to fall to Spielman, probably with a lot of ownership input. 
But my guess is if they offer Kurt three or four years, I think that's probably the philosophy. Let's just get that position locked up, and then we'll go from there. But I think we could be here next year, Manny, going, that wasn't a great decision, not because he didn't play well, because he could play well and maybe have some of the same weaknesses but still be decent. It could be because we got to a point where it's time to blow it up, and now we got another three or four years of this deal on the books. Well, and the other part of it, too, is if you do, let's say you pass on looking at one of these current quarterbacks that are coming out of this draft, then, but then you decide you're going to move on from Kirk Cousins, then what is the plan at quarterback after 2020? Because you're not going to be bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence. No, no. I mean, if you're going to get Trevor Lawrence... You're going to have to go two and fourteen or one and fifteen or something like that. Yeah, you're and, not and you're going to be competing probably f- with, you know, if the Dolphins don't take Tua at five. Yep. The Dolphins likely are going to probably try and tank to get Trevor Lawrence in 2021. So if you even if you do decide to tank, you're going to be probably competing with them to try and get that number one pick, which I think everybody agrees, unless some sort of catastrophic injury happens, is going to be Trevor it's Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. So I mean, is it? Does Justin Fields take another step at Ohio State? And I don't he, know. You know, I, I mean know. that that's that's the other part of this this mystery with that position with the Vikings too is that okay, well if they don't go the route of trying to move up to take like a tour or something like that, or they move up, let's say you know ten twelve spots and they get Justin Herbert, who I'm not in love with. He's regressed. Yeah. If they don't go that route. And they also decide they're not going to extend Kirk Cousins and they're going to move on from Kirk after 2020. Then, I mean, and and a lot can happen between now and no, I a mean, lot. because nobody a year ago today nobody looked at Joe Burrow and said, "Oh, this guy's going to be the number one pick." He's going to win the fast. Heisman Trophy. Yeah. So a lot can happen in the next 365 days, obviously. But that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with if the Vikings don't go the quarterback route, which. Myron, I don't see them doing that. There's no, I don't think. I don't if think it were me, you go if, if it were me, I would explore it. Yeah, but I'm not them, and I don't think they're going to go that route. I think they're going to try and go with like more of an immediate sort of fix or help with that with that first round pick, whatever it may be. Which sounds smart. I mean, I don't. Sure. You know, I mean, for a playoff team, but, that's not a bad decision. But if things sort of go. You know, if they go nine and seven, let's say next year, and let's say they, let's say, let's say 2020 is a very similar result to what it was in 2019. Yeah. You win nine or 10 games, make the playoffs, maybe win a game. What do you do? Well, I mean, the question is, what have you already done, though? Because you've got to make the extension decision now. Yeah. So that to me is the thing is ideally, You'd be in 2021 having to make that decision, mm-hmm. but now you got to make that decision now because and, and 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 it's 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 dicey because not saying this is gonna happen, but if you decide to re up on Kirk and over the next four or five years you're just sort of middling around nine and seven, ten and six every year, and you're not really progressing, and then the team that picked. One pick ahead of you, or one pick behind you. They're picks Justin Fields, and Justin Fields turns That's, into a superstar. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the you're the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I mean you're you got a quarterback who's maybe decent, and then 
you're trying to figure the rest out. I mean, you yeah. could next summer lose. Let's say you don't extend them. The reverse scenario is you lose Cousins, you lose Dalvin Cook, Stevon Diggs decides I don't want any part of this. Mm-hmm. Now you got to get rid of him too. I mean, now, this thing well, really, at that point you're probably just blowing. Got to blow up. the whole thing up. You're blowing everything up. Overall, yeah. and we started the show by talking about what's their ceiling. So I want to run through all these all the teams in the NFC. Mm-hmm. And based on what we know now, because we don't know what happens in the offseason with the offensive line, we don't know if they're going to add some more pieces. The defense obviously is going to have some holes because the salary cap will not allow them to keep this group together. What, what is uh, Kirk, $33 million cap hit? He is going to make 31 I think. Okay, I think so, the is. you know, this is what you got, and you're probably going to lose some pieces on defense. So what oh, yeah. is your ceiling? Oh, yeah. Will the Minnesota Vikings be better than the Dallas Cowboys? Based on what we know now, and only now. We don't know if Tom Brady is going to pull a move and sign with the Cowboys or something crazy like that. Based on what we know now, are the Minnesota Vikings going to be better than the Cowboys? I would say yes. I'm not sure. I think the Cowboys are, if you take away the the prestige and the history, I, they're an average team. And, yeah. we, and we would talk about them like an average team if they didn't have Jerry Jones in the big stadium. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what we're going to see out of Dallas, but I'm very curious about them because I'm wondering how much of a difference Mike McCarthy is going to make there. If there's just going to be, because I think a lot of what went wrong for Dallas this year yeah. and in recent years is just, I think it's been pure incompetence at the head coach spot. With Jason Garrett. But now you're getting... And I think that that hurt them, especially this year. And I think they're getting a much more... A much more... I think just the overall competence level at that spot now, I think is is going to put them in a better spot. But you're, you're also getting the most stubborn coach in the NFL and a guy who likes his own way, likes to do things a certain way. And I wonder how that clashes potentially if things go south. But yeah, no, McCarthy... Has one of the highest levels. I guess I should ask definitively better. Like you can say for sure that team's going to be better than Minnesota. So the Cowboys are on that list with that question. All right. Sure. Are, are the Cowboys defit will be definitively better than the Minnesota Vikings? I don't know yet. Okay. I'll say no. The Giants. Okay. No. No, not a chance. I don't Heavens, care no. if Eli stays. I don't care if they bring Peyton Manning I mean, back. Joe Combine them into one player. It's not going to change. Joe Judge, say no more. I'm not buying it at all. Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe, right? I mean, healthy Carson Wentz. Health, to me, was their biggest thing, right? And I think there's certainly a case to be made. If they're healthy, they're going to be dangerous. Yeah. And they could be better than the Vikings. The Redskins. No. Not a chance. Nope. Chicago Bears. If if Trubisky's starting, no. They're not going to be better, right? Because what I think can happen with the 49ers has already happened with the Bears and that Great defense can only carry you so far, yeah. and it's hard to put together those groups in the modern NFL two, three, four years. Now, if you're you, telling me Cam Newton or somebody's going to step into that quarterback story. spot, then it's a different spot. But if it's Trubisky, no, nah, miss me with and that. We don't, yeah, if it's Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. it's a different conversation. Yep. Detroit Lions. No. That's a no. Green Bay Packers. I don't know that they will certainly be better than the Vikings in 2020. You know, I think I think that came down to a couple of games yeah. that felt like games Minnesota should have won. I think with them, it's going to depend on what happens in their offseason. If they go out and get some more weapons for Aaron Rodgers, then I would say yes. Atlanta Falcons. No. No. Carolina Panthers. No. Not going to happen. Saints. 
Yes. Now that's let's assuming Drew Brees is back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he's I gonna, think I think if Drew Brees is back, absolutely yes. I think if Drew Brees retires and they bring Teddy Bridgewater back, which I don't think is going to happen because I think Drew Brees is going to stay, then I would still say yes, but maybe not as definitively as if okay. Brees were coming back. Tampa Bay. No. Arizona. No. Los Angeles Rams. It's hard for me to it's hard for me to see it because they don't have any draft picks and they're and they regressed. Out. Yeah. I mean they they didn't do anything to make you think they're a team on the rise. San Francisco 49ers. Yes. That's a yes, right? Yep. Seattle Seahawks. I'm Def- gonna I'm gonna say yes because of the quarterback. See, I think you lose Clowney. Uh I, I think this is a team where you go Russell Wilson having to be that for sixteen games. Yeah, but you know what? The Vi- if I would feel, I would feel better about the Vikings in that conversation if the Vikings would have beaten Seattle this yeah. year. But because they just can't win there, I I, I just the Russell Wilson is just he's he's really he's, good. Yeah. So here's my point in all that. Mm-hmm. We just went through the entire NFC, and there were three teams that we said definitively could be better than Minnesota Vikings. Probably will be Seattle, the San Francisco 49ers. The Saints, the Saints team that the Vikings beat on the road in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers, uh, maybe. Depending on what happens in the offseason. Yeah. Eagles, maybe. But there weren't six, seven, eight teams that were definitely going to be better than the Vikings in 2020. That's why Super Bowl has to be the expectation. It has to be the thing we anticipate with this group. Uh, how, many, how many seconds we got? What's our, what's our out time on this thing? 54.50. Okay. So you got 20 seconds. Uh, 54.50? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we're I'm, ending. We're ending now. We're ending now. <laughs> Fun show, my Thanks. <laughs> That's been Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth turkey for forty or a Murray's baked brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.